This is Spirituality Unpacked with Laura Bungars. For more information, please visit my website at spiritualityunpackedalloneword.com. It's Laura. Welcome to Spirituality Unpacked. I hope you are doing well on this Monday morning. I was just saying to my kids last night that I actually quite like Mondays. And part of the reason I enjoy Mondays so much these days is because I get to do this and it is a lot of fun for me. So today I actually want to expand on something that I put on social media yesterday that has just sort of gone off on its own, it's gotten its own wings, and it has taken flight. And so for those of you that aren't on Facebook, for those of you that don't follow me there, you may not be aware of it, so I'll give a little bit of a story. So I, I yesterday, and even, well, it was Saturday night, I, I got some guidance through my cards, the way I get everything. And the challenge was to come clean to my parents about what I do with my life. Now, for those of you that don't know me or haven't um, followed me for very long, I'm going to back up a little bit and I want to give some backstory. I, I didn't post all of this on Facebook. It, it, for people that follow me a lot, I've talked about these things before. This is nothing new. So growing up, I was a big, I was a big people pleaser, basically. I, I was the person that wanted to make sure that everybody was happy. And I wanted to quote unquote fit in. And We've talked about, you know, fitting in is a thing. A lot of people want to fit in. They, they want, humans naturally want to fit in. It, it, it's sort of an instinctual thing. Um, some of it, you know, is sort of old kind of survival stuff where, you know, you needed to kind of, we, humans almost needed to be pack animals to survive at one point, right? At one point in history, humans pretty much needed to stick together. Um, in order to survive. And we still have a little bit of that in us, I, I think. And so what it does is it makes humans feel like they need to fit in. And, and certainly for me, it, it and as a small child in particular, you know, you, you kind of need that. You need your par you need your parents, your caregivers to kind of take care of you, right? You a, a five-year-old little girl can't can't take care of herself, right? So 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 we need some of that. And we carry it into adulthood. We're less dependent on each other in some ways now than we were. Um, obviously, you know, you still need somebody work to work at the grocery store to, so you can get food. You still need you still need the plumber. You still need the electrician. You still need right. Like there's still things you need to see happen, um, and so you still you still need people in some ways. But but in other ways, we're not as dependent on each other. Um, and and so, but we hold on to that idea of of sort of really needing needing to be with each other and, and, and the social the social connection and, and, and needing to fit in with the pack. We have we have this thing. So 
in my world, that needing to fit in turned into me trying to live my life so that everybody would be happy with it. Who do I mean by everybody? My parents, my friends, the friends that I had, the very few friends that I had, everybody around me, my teachers, the whole, the whole, everybody, everybody, literally. And you don't have to kind of get very far here to go, well, you know, you really can't, you can't live by committee, right? It doesn't work. You can't live by committee. But I tried. Let's just say that I tried and I tried hard to live by committee and I couldn't do it. So in that process, as, as a five-year-old child, I had decided that I wanted to become a teacher because I did not like my kindergarten teacher. It was literally that. She, she was pregnant and she was miserable pregnant and she wasn't doing a good job that year as a teacher because she was so tired and sick and pregnant. Fair enough. But the reality was that, um, that I had decided that I could do better than she had. It was really, as, as a small child, it, it, was, it, was a, it was a career that I saw that, that made some kind of sense to me, that, that looked right, that allowed me to work with people. I was just a little kid, so it was like, well, this seems cool, right? As most kids do. Now, here's the difference. I, I stayed to that all, all through my school-aged years, all, all through, up, to, up through high school. I, I stayed with teacher. As I got to, to high school and, and to be a teenager, I started to question whether I wanted to teach because I had picked up the thing that I do now, which is writing. I, I had, in grade seven and eight, I had started to develop a love of sort of writing and doing poetry and, and doing those kinds of things. And, 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 and I had been given the idea that I was good at it. The teachers at school and, and, and those around me, right, that, that read my writing, they, they loved what I did. I got really high marks with it, that kind of thing. But it didn't fit the paradigm. It, it didn't fit the box of stable union job. It, it, it was quote unquote risky because it didn't have, it didn't have a direct path. It didn't have, it, it didn't have that sort of thing that, that teachers have where you just sort of you're on the path. This is, you, you get this degree, you go here, you do this, you get this job, and then you stay there for 30 years, and then you retire, and then you die. That was the paradigm that I was in. Life was not meant to be joy, enjoyed, it was simply meant to be stable. Going through the motions. And, and those were the kinds of messages that I had picked up as a kid, that you just sort of go through the motions of life, that life isn't really meant, life isn't going to be a whole lot of fun. Life isn't going to be particularly, particularly good. Life is actually going to be really, really hard. And well, you know, you're just going to go through the motions and, and you're going to try to come out as uns, unscathed as you possibly can. That was, that was how I had grown up. So I ended up, I became a teacher because I didn't see any other paths that sort of fit the paradigm that everybody wanted, the little box that everybody wanted me to stay in. So I went through 
And, and those, those years of university and those last couple of years of high school were mumpy. Because that, those were the years, that those high school years were the years where I, I put my power away. Those were the years where I went through severe depression. Those were the years where I tried suicide a couple of times. Those, those were the years where I really just sort of put my power away and decided to fit in the box. Where I rolled over and gave in. So in first year university, I ended up, I was 19, I moved out. My mother and I had a horrendous relationship. I moved out, I dropped out of university so I could work and support myself. And I kept working, but I was, I kind of went off the rails for a few years. I had the younger drunker years. Um, I never got addicted to alcohol, but I certainly had enough of it. <laughs> And then I had an experience that allowed me to realize that I could go back to university. And I ended up, I went to university and I got my degree and I ended up going up north to teach. And I think I said it to my mother. She, they followed me up. They came up with me that first year to help me unpack and, and that kind of stuff, get settled. They... I said it to my mother, I'm not, I'm not here to teach. I'm not a teacher. This is a stepping stone. This is, this is, this is a way forward, but it is not, it is not the end result. I don't want to teach. And immediately she decided that I should be a principal or an administrator. And I said, no, that's not, that's not my path. I'm going to do this for a bit, but it's not my path. I knew. I knew as I got my teaching degree, as I was going through the motions of that, I knew as I began to work as a teacher, and I was a crap teacher. Those first couple of years, I was a crap teacher. It, it took me a while to get my skills. After 20 years of doing it, I got pretty darn good at it. But, you know, it took a while. <laughs> I, was, I, I had a lot of textbook knowledge, but it took me a bit to figure out how to apply it in a way that worked for me. And over time, I became a, good, a really good teacher. It just it took a little while. When I left teaching up north and came back down, my daughter was a toddler getting ready for school. And that was why I came back. I came back to the city to put her in school. And I didn't necessarily want to get back in the classroom. I wasn't interested in subbing for years to hopefully maybe get a job one day. I, I wasn't interested in, in, in doing those kinds of things. And so I started doing other things. I used, I used my teaching career to teach adults and get into nonprofit world. I got into the, the corporate training kind of a world, you know, in the call center industry, right? Um, I had worked call centers as a teenager and, and, and young adult. So it, I was familiar with that. I could teach it easily enough because I'm a teacher and I could do that stuff. So that was kind of where my career went. I started looking at, my life became about who I could teach and what I could teach. I kept looking for a way to make my path fit in the box. 
and to fit in the paradigm of, well, I'm a teacher, so it has to look like this. It has to be the teachers at the front, and here's the students, and this is what we do. And so it didn't matter to me whether the students were 50-year-olds or 5-year-olds. It, it, that wasn't the issue. It was just a question of what am I going to teach? So I've taught all kinds of ages. I've taught all, taught all kinds of people. I've taught all kinds of cultures and everything. I, I've had a wide, wide, wide variety of experience in the classroom teaching a whole host of different things. I even started my own business teaching computers because I kept trying to fit in the box. So I thought, well, maybe if I teach something that I actually like, like computers, maybe that would allow me to be okay with this. Maybe, maybe I could make it fit. What the computer business did was show me that I, I wanted to be self-employed. So the computer business gave me this sort of thing of being independent and not working for other people. And, and I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that aspect of it. And I, I understood that um, I had a lot of crazy ideas about how business should work. So I, it, you know, again, I had taken on a lot of those sort of 3D world ideas about how business should work. I could, we could talk about this for days. All of the stuff that you learn about how business is supposed to work in the 3D world and and none of those things worked for me. I couldn't do any of them. And I used to think I, I just sucked. I was a bad marketer. Like I just couldn't, I didn't have any luck and I was a bad marketer. And, and, and so things were just going to work out badly. And, and so the computer business failed, but it had nothing to do with my ability to market or not market. It, it was a whole host of things about me and, and, and trying to hide behind the computer and, and not share. I, 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 I looked at, I looked at big companies and you, you don't even half the time with the exception of a handful, half the time you, you don't, you don't know who the, who the owner of the company is. You, you, you don't know anything about them. And, and so I tried to run my computer business that way. You don't need to know about me. I'll just teach you computers. When you're one person teaching, trying to teach a topic and offering to teach people on a one-to-one -one basis, you can't hide, but I tried to hide. I tried to hide. There was a lot of, there was a lot of shyness. There was a lot of fear. There was a lot of anxiety there. There was a lot of, I don't want to put myself out there. I had a lot of things going on. So even the computer business didn't work. It didn't work for different reasons. It wasn't because I didn't like it. It didn't work. It, it, it showed me and its whole intent was to show me that I couldn't do business that way. It was, a, it was a beautiful learning tool for me in my life. So it was a stepping stone. It was sort of the bridge between my teaching career and working for myself and doing my own thing and completely doing my own thing and leaving behind the world of teaching. So it was this middle phase that I had. And the computer business lasted about four years. And in all of that, my life was happening. So there was chaos in the background. So eventually, there came a point where I separated from my husband at the time and moved me and the kids back in with my parents. And it was there when the computer business crashed. It ended. And it was also there when I had decided to heal. And that was when I picked up spirituality. And 
I bought my first deck of tarot cards. And so began the journey. And I hid those tarot cards from my mother. She didn't know I did them. I hid them. And I used tarot as a way to get in touch with my intuition. I used tarot as a way to understand myself. Tarot became the tool, right? So tarot, the cards are just sort of a physical manifestation of your intuition. They're they're a way to connect to to your higher self, your intuition, your soul, your spirit guides, whatever you wanna, however you however you wanna see that. So I use them, and I use them all the time, multiple times a day. They have guided me along this journey for the last seven years. If if I wasn't using tarot, I'm not really sure where I'd be. I I don't. I don't really know if I would have been able to navigate this the same way that I have. So needless to say, using tarot as much as I do, I've built up a relationship with them. And I trust them that they're going to they're going to give me the guidance that I need, that I'm going to get the information that I need and that I'll be able to just simply I've learned to trust them and act on them, right? So when they tell me to do something, I, I kind of just, it took a while. I had to get a lot of courage and it took, it takes a little bit of strength because the, the cards, the cards tell you to make those leaps. The cards tell you to do those things. And, and that's not always easy. <laughs> and that takes a bit, right? I remember, I remember when the, when the cards told me to, 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 you know, sit on it and don't fix the rent, you know, and this was last, last May, last April, don't fix the rent. It's hard. The, those, you know, sitting on my hands, not fixing it, just allowing things to go do what they were going to do and be what they were going to be. And, and in the paranoid and worried and fear and, and anxiety and stress and all the stuff that was going on and, and just sort of constantly pulling cards and, and them constantly going, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. Right? Like on repeat. That those were the beginning phases of, of sort of me listening to those cards in a way that where I was just sort of doing the challenge was just, I've gotten to a place now where it doesn't matter what they tell me, the challenge is accepted. So the challenge was accepted. I accepted the challenge. We, they were trying to knock me off my game on Saturday and I wasn't going to have anything to do with them. And so we have whole conversations. It's not just a few cards. We'll have a whole conversation. So they were trying to knock me off my game and I was like, no way. And, and so then I got some tood from them and they went, well, you think you're not afraid? Then tell your parents what you do. And I looked around and I went, what? You want me to tell my parents what I do? Yeah, tell them what you do. If you're not afraid, then go ahead and do it. You think you know everything. All right. Challenge accepted. I'll go tell my parents what I do. So it was yesterday, Sunday morning. About 11 o'clock, 11.30, called my parents up, got them both on, on a phone, you know, speakerphone or whatever, and I started to have a conversation with them. And I said, and I started to explain my, my, the chaos that I had tried to make my life, quote unquote, look right, that I had tried to fit in the paradigm, that I had, I had become a teacher mostly to, to, to fit check the boxes and, 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 you know, do all the stuff. But in, in doing so, I had kind of made myself miserable and there was a lot of pain in that. 
And, and so my life looked pretty chaotic for a long time. And there was a lot of chaos in all of that, in all the teaching and the computers and all the stuff. There was a lot of chaos in there because there was a lot of pain. And I said, I, and I explained to them that I had finally decided to do my own thing and that I was writing and I was an author and that that was what I was doing. And I said, this, this, this isn't like random. It, it actually harkens back to my, to my teenage years and my early twenties when I wrote a lot and, and I was, I enjoyed it and I was good at it and whatever. And they reacted to me in a way that I didn't, I didn't expect and I didn't plan because I thought I was going to hear about how I should go back into the classroom. I thought I should hear about how I was supposed to get a stable job and how I was supposed to fit in the box. And I didn't. Instead, they were just happy that I had figured out who I was and what I wanted to do. And that was the most fascinating thing I think I've ever heard from them. Having been with them for as long as I have my entire life, right? I have come to expect certain responses from them based on the things that I do. And any time in the last 20 years that I've tried to deviate away from teaching in any form, I've been told to go back to the classroom. And they stopped doing it. And I had to wait until I was 46 years old for them to finally stop telling me to go back to the classroom. I can't even really put into words what that was like. Because I've heard so many times, Laura, get back in the box. And finally, at 46, I no longer had to fit in the box. Finally, at 46 years old, it was my life. It wasn't my life at 30. It wasn't my life at 35. It wasn't even my life at 40. But at 46, it was finally my life. It was like, okay, she's, that, she's an adult now. She's all grown up. And I had to wait until 46 to be grown up. And I'm sorry for the sort of extended silence. It, it didn't take me a lot of courage to do this. It was just like, okay, next thing. 
I, I knew what I expected and I had just sort of geared myself up for a little bit of an argument. And I was fine with it. I, I wasn't going to budge. It wasn't like I was going to change what I was doing. I wasn't giving in. So it, it really didn't matter what they did or said. Until they did the exact opposite thing. So I want to do two things with this in the little bit of time we have left. And the first that I want to give you is the story the mind makes up. Because the mind had made up a story, my mind had made up a story based on previous experience, expectations of things that have happened for most of my life. And not even that was true. So when you change enough, everything changes around you. When you finally shift it, when you finally shift your life, everything goes with it. And that includes things that have been in place for 30 years, 40 years. They go too. The story of the mind is real. And the mind can keep you very stuck. And I talk about that stuff all the time. The mind will keep you trapped. If you let it. Because it will tell you what you shouldn't do and why you shouldn't do it. And it'll make up stories about what'll happen if you do do it. And on and on and on it goes. And those things, for me, once again, have proven themselves not true. The story of the mind is more fantastical than anything, and it really is almost never true. And the second piece of that, of the mind, is just simply courage. Having the guts to sort of hold your own, do your own thing, not let the world sort of drag you around, not live life by committee, that is something that took me till now. And not only did it take me till now to do it, but it took me till now to, to admit it to the people around me. Courage has been a big factor in my life and specifically the lack of it. I had to learn that it was okay to be me. Because it had never been okay to be me. For as long as I can remember, it's never been okay to be me. And suddenly, I'm me, and it's okay. And I've taken it on. 
and I stand in it and I stay there and I don't move. And it's changed how I talk. It's changed how I show up. It's changed everything about me. You want to talk about being a different human being. <sighs> yep. Very different human being. And I see it even in how I interact with people that have been in my life for a long time. I, I see it in everything that I do now. Right? Because I have that awareness thing that I use all the time. And so I'm able to sort of pop out of myself and kind of look down at myself and see myself from a different perspective from outside of myself. I can, I can, I can get up and out of it when I want to, right? So I can look down at myself and I can watch myself interact with people and I can see that the conversation isn't going to go the way it used to go because I'm not the same person. So even when I engage in the conversation that's supposed to be the same, it doesn't turn out that way. And that's that part of when you, when you respond to the world differently, the world will change. You don't change the world, you change how you respond to the world. And that's what I started to do. That's what I had to get the courage in me to do, was to change how I was responding to the world so that the world around me would begin to change. And that's actually happened. And I get to watch that now. From that perch of higher awareness that I like to play with all the time. So the moral of the story here, to wind up this sort of rather, rather personal, almost diary-like podcast episode, is just to say if you're anywhere in that process of gaining the courage to become who you are, keep going. These kinds of stories are the reasons why I'm here doing this now. Because I struggled with that courage. I struggled with wanting to be, please everybody. I struggled with needing to make everybody okay. I struggled with trying to live by committee. I struggled with all of those things. I struggled with the powerlessness. I've been there and I've done it. And so I keep writing and sharing and talking about those things because they are the things I needed to deal with within myself in order to begin to create the life that I want. The life that I didn't even know I wanted because I had buried it so far within me. It takes a little bit of work. It's not necessarily easy. The concepts are relatively simple, but the process itself is hard, harder. It is doable. It is doable. 
And if nothing else, if you get nothing else from this, I just want to encourage you to keep going. You too can do this for yourself. Okay, I'm going to leave it there. Thank you so, so, so much for listening to me today in particular. This was a very personal podcast to me, so I appreciate you. I will be back on Thursday. This has been Laura with Spirituality Unpacked. Have a good one, everybody. Bye for now. This has been Spirituality Unpacked with Laura Bungars. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. Thanks so much for listening.